when you're down and trouble and you need some love and care and nothing well nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson started the show in 2002. Since then, he's recorded over 1,100 shows featuring over 400 different guests, a literal who's who in bowling. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest has been with us many times in the past because he always comes on with some interesting views and topics. In the past, we've talked about oil patterns, lane conditions, lane surfaces, bowling balls, lane oil and its colors, lefties, righties, and other interesting topics. Yep. And he has even created the intro to the show, and I'm indebted him for that. So, Phantom fans, please welcome back our good friend, C.J. Layton. Hello, C.J., and I appreciate you being here with us again. How you been, Pards? I've been doing great. Uh, Phantom is always great to talk to you, my old dear friend. Uh, my gosh, it's just uh, been so many years. I look back on some of the conversations you and I have had, and I just uh, kind of sit there and smile. And I'm glad that you're still having them today, not just with me, but with all your great guests. This is a terrific show, brother. Well, I appreciate hearing that. As a matter of fact, uh, I've been in contact with another old friend of ours, uh, Jim Dressel, he was a little bit under the weather for a couple of years, but he's making a strong comeback. And we were talking, and uh, in fact, I mentioned to him this was just a little while ago today that you were going to be on our show, and that uh, he has been on on the show with us many, many times. Right. You will eventually catch him. I told him, I says, I met you back in in 1979. Right, right. And I said to him, that was 20 years ago. He says, 20? That was 40. I said, holy mackerel. I lost 20 years just talking for a minute. Unbelievable. Jim Dressel's, Jim Dressel's just one of the good guys. My gosh. I'm glad you're better, Jimmy. He's making a strong comeback. And, in fact, we're going to renew the old show with him and Salvino on the same time. And that'll Great. be a That'll be chaotic. I know that, but <laughs> that's all right. That'll be excellent, though, Lenny. It'll be excellent. Well, you know, Pards, uh, I mentioned some of the topics that we've talked about, and I, I don't know of anybody else that's more on top of today's game than you. And I know that when I first met you, you were interested in bowling, and and now you're fully engulfed in it. And I, I, I just wish that you were one of our announcers every week on the show. But I know you're busy with your own stuff, but. I got to ask you, you know, what is the basic topic that you have in mind for us this week? I want to go back. You know, I, I love following bowling and social media because they have been, 
you know, kind of hand in hand for the past five or six years. Uh, some of the players have really gone just leaps and bounds beyond what used to be acceptable for social media as far as showing some of the tips and tricks of the trade. Uh, they've been fantastic on YouTube and Pinterest and, and all these other social media environments. And I really think that everything they've been doing is good for the game. It's good for the overall game and good for the people who watch. Yeah, there's nothing like conversation. You know, the more you talk about it, the more interest that it creates. Well, sure. And I, I see you on there quite a bit. In fact, uh, I got to ask you a question. I haven't asked you this, but do you ever <laughs> sleep? Uh, no, not really much. I mean, you know, it's like Jimmy Carter said, and a lot of people didn't like Jimmy Carter. A lot of people did. Jimmy Carter, one of his things that he said was eating and sleeping are a waste of time. Now, I agree with the sleeping part, but the eating part, hey, don't show me a T-bone steak. <laughs> I'll you be know, there. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right, because sleeping is kind of a waste of time. You have to have it, basically, right. if you know, if you do it correctly. But anyway. Sure. You know, I, I got to ask you about this one lady that you mentioned in our pre-talk before the show started, uh, Verity Crowley. What, what, yeah. What's going on with her? You know, Verity is one of those, uh, another one of those young guns of the uh, Professional Women Women's Bowling Association that really caught my eye because, number one, obviously kept in shape. Number two, she could modify her release and modify her hand position, I feel, was some of the best that's been in the business, and she's been doing that at an early age. And unfortunately for Verity, and maybe for a lot of other foreign-born players as well, there's just a great, beautiful worldwide influence in the PWBA, PBA as well. But Verity went back on vacation. Uh, she's not a U.S. citizen. She's from England, and she was here in the U.S. on a work visa, to work the PWBA. Okay, that's great. Unfortunately, when she went back, just about the time that she was wanting to come back, here comes COVID and here come the travel restrictions. She lost her work visa. Now, a lot of people could have boohooed. Verity Crawley was not that. Verity went online and did her social media and she showed herself training on her arm swing at home, on her balance at home doing different things to keep her body in shape at home. If she could find an actual live bowling center that would be open, she would go there and show that too. Props to Verity Crawley because she got through all that, and then she came back with her blogs and her vlogs. She won a couple of regionals from what's my understanding. She also made an impact on the PWBA broadcast. So props to Verity and props to everyone who had to go through that experience. I'm sure there were quite a few more than her. But she had a great social presence, and she was always smiling. There was nothing negative about any of it. So that's what really struck me with VC, and uh, I'm glad she's back and, and doing what she loves. She's doing a great job. So let me ask you, do you, do you still conduct any interviews with any of the pro bowlers from time to time? But well, there's really no reason for me to. I mean, yeah, I could go freelance, I'm sure, if I wanted to, and then go out and uh, shop, you know, my wares to radio stations or, or TV or what have you. But uh, the bottom line really is this, you know, unless you're part of a media outlet, there's not going to be a whole lot of a draw for that sort of thing. I think it's a shame. You and I come from way down deep as far as bowling goes, and we 
you and I both have the passion, and we know how great of a sport this really is. Took a dive in the 90s, uh, took a dive after soccer took over instead of Saturday bowling for the kids. But I think somewhere in there, it's on a bit of an upswing. Maybe something like that could happen. I'm still available. I mean, I've interviewed some of the best of them, and uh, I'd love to share that experience uh, with, uh, with a lot of the people because, uh, you know, if you're passionate, and you can talk to another professional bowler like a Verity or like a DeAndra Asbady or, you know, even like Randy Peterson, who's just doing nothing but announcing now uh, people I've talked to before. And you can talk to them and spread that passion. You get that passion back and it creates a great interview. And that's just nothing but good for the sport. Well, you can tell in your voice the passion that you still have for the game. And, you know, the knowledge that you have is is irreplaceable. I mean, you can't read that in a book any place because it's lived. It's lived knowledge that you've seen it with your own two eyes. Now, the, the other same. thing that uh, I wonder about now and then is, uh, do you have a chance to do any coaching at all? Uh, every once in a while, it's kind of rare, but every once in a while, I do have a chance to get out there and talk, uh, especially about today's game. You know, a lot has been said uh, over the past 10 years about what is now known as the pro arm swing because of the uh, of the type of equipment that's used these days. You know, you and I know that uh, the majority of bowlers are feeding the ball away from the pocket instead of toward the pocket. And that takes a really solid and sometimes special arm swing. So usually... That's what I'm talking about is the arm swing and the open shoulders and so forth. That is no longer something that only Pete Weber does. That's something that's kind of the norm now. Well, it sure is. In fact, uh, you mentioned it when the new balls, the new generation of equipment came out back in the early 90s, definitely opened up the lane where it increased your head belly, and that made everybody hook the ball a heck of a lot more. It hurt a lot of bowlers. But it also helped a lot of bowlers that didn't have much hook. You know, not to get too far away from one of the things I wanted to mention to you, uh, to go along with a variety of, of things that we talk about, you know, one thing we've never talked about, <laughs> but I'm sure you're up on it, what do you know about pin spotters? Oh, wow. I just, uh, <laughs> a fan of my old friend, I am amazed by today's pin spotters. You and I and, uh, you know, the Larry Licksteins. And by the way, shout out to Larry, my newest Facebook friend. We know about the AMF 8270s. We know about the Brunswick A2s, the real workhorses of the industry for decades, how they worked. Even though we weren't mechanics by nature, I was a pin chaser when I was a kid. And I was able to learn both machines and a lot of bowlers, pro bowlers, they also were as well. I observed one of the new line Brunswick machines. It's called the GSX line. And I got to tell you something, my friend. To me, they put together the best of both worlds. Let's talk about the AMF line, the AMF 8270s. They were born when I was like three years old, back in 1963. Okay, <laughs> you throw a bowling ball. Bowling ball hits pins. Rate comes down. What happens after that? With the ball first, the ball hits this big chunk of wood that's rubberized, and it's also angled. So the ball rolls toward the center of the two lanes towards this hole. Eventually, the hole will open to keep pins out yeah. and bring the ball up and put it through the ball accelerator. What happened to the pins? Well, the pins hit 
a, a, a mechanism that was a big, flat, rolling black belt that went back towards what was called a pinwheel. The pinwheel would come up, elevate, and then this robotic arm would almost magically take every pin and place it in its proper position. Now let's talk about the difference between that and the Brunswick A2s and the Jetbacks. Ball hits pins. Ball hits this big chunk of wood, except this big chunk of wood is on a swivel. The ball can go through, and the pins can go through. And by the way, this is not a rolling belt. This is a shaker pit, and props to the mechanics who worked on A2s, because that was a bitch <laughs> if it broke down. So anyway, the pins were shaken towards a pinwheel. The ball did not go to the center to a hole. It went back to a second wheel called the pinwheel. The pinwheel was metal, it was stainless steel, and it would do a pinching thing with some uh, rubberized uh, rods and then be elevated up to the ball you know, ejector system. Let's talk about the Brunswick GSX. I can't believe that I, I saw this for the first time just about a couple months ago, some friends of mine in Oklahoma, and I looked at this and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Okay, <laughs> the ball hits the pins comes back and hits a ball deflector board that's rubberized and then is angled toward the center toward a ball hole that yeah. gets elevated and goes back. The pins go back, the Brunswick machine now, the pins go back not on a shaker pit but on a conveyor belt, smooth conveyor belt type. So, so that's the first thing I saw, and I thought, wow. And then I looked up, and I just, my jaw dropped. There was no pinwheel. <laughs> Lenny, there's a freaking elevator. <laughs> it is a pin elevator. Yeah. The pins drop inside the elevator. Halfway up the elevator, there's another stainless steel mechanism that centers the pins in the elevator. The elevator comes up kind of like the old uh, Brunswick A2s. It's not called a turnaround pan, but it's close. It makes sure that the pins are emptied butt first into the mechanism. The belts that convey the pins are not flat. They are round. Almost every belt in the system is not a flat belt. It's a round belt. The pins are distributed six to the left side, four to the right side by means of another mechanism that I can't even begin to describe. You'd have to look for it on YouTube. And you can find it on YouTube. Search YouTube. Go to YouTube and search GSX pin setters and be prepared to be amazed because I uh, GSX pin setters, you know, well, this is as gentle and as whisper quiet as you can imagine. And it is put together in a modular way to where if there is, let's say, something is wrong with the pin deck, which, by the way, does not lower pins like the old Brunswick A2 machine used to do, go straight down. Yeah. But it lowers pins the way the old AMF 8270s used to do with the turret that spun and put the pins down and then spun back up. So well, I'm going to tell you, of course, the, the explanation you gave, I can almost picture that myself, even though I haven't seen this new pin center machine that you're talking about. But the other ones, exactly the way you said it, exactly how they work. But They're I do, amazing. 
I recommend it's an people, amazing land. Yeah, let them go look at you know the actual uh, YouTube uh, the demonstrations because you could you could announce these things for crying out loud. <laughs> it, it was just an amazing deal, and you know they've cut back uh, uh, the the motors are modular. There is a single motor for each major component. <laughs> Well, yeah, we were talking earlier about the, even the lane machines nowadays. You know, right. they're automatic, fully automatic. They, they don't need a cord. You can set it up on lane one and go back and do all kind of work in the back end and then go a couple hours later go down to lane 60 and the, the machine has finished all 60 lanes by itself. Unbelievable. Sure. This technology sure. is, is unreal. And I'm hoping that that helps draw people back into the culture. I've always talked about the bowling culture taking such a hit. People go to a bowling center these days. You know, you love to see all oh, the typical American family, you know, the wife and the husband and two kids, the boy and the girl going to the bowling center. They get their ball, they get their shoes, they get to the lane, and they have no clue on what to really do after that. And it's such a shame. I'd love to see the bowling culture come back and i guess that's where you and i what you and i are about yeah you know um and i was getting a little bit worried about you know there's three tours basically that people look up to the men's tour woman's tour senior tour right well, i didn't see anything about the women's tour for a while but you you clued me in that uh, uh fs1 has been doing something to try to help them out right yeah they did a series of uh of bowling events on the uh, on the women's tour, and it was similar to the old, I guess. Well, back in the day, I guess it was the what they called the 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 king of bowling. They did the king of bowling on that, and they did something very very similar on FS1, and it was multiple shows and multiple days to where these women just hey they put it out on the line there. They just went one on one. You know, some of the greatest, Liz Johnson was there, of course, Kelly Kulik was there, Verity was there, and she did extremely well, Daria Payak, uh, Miss Z was there. I mean, all the superstars were there and put on one hell of a show. I was happy to see that because before, all their tournaments, even their majors, were just on BowlTV.com. Now, well, that's great, but in the same token, I honestly wish that we could find some sponsors that would step up because these women are better than that. Yeah, you know, down the road, uh, there is some promise because I understand this junior gold was totally sold out. And also the team masters, they, they had all kind of entries they never expected because, you know, being shut down for a year, they didn't know what to expect. But both those huge events became mm -hmm. very, very popular. So... And I know my friend up in Michigan, Dave Kowalski, yeah. told, they got 7,000 junior bowlers up there. That's great, man. I'm telling you. And hats off. And again, a shout out to the beautiful Deandra Asbady, my friend uh, from Chicago who I've interviewed in the past. Uh, she runs what's called the EYT, the Elite Youth Tour. That goes coast to coast, and they've got plenty to offer. Yes, sir. I was just thinking about you, though. Honestly, you know, you talked about Dressel. And again, uh, Larry Lickstein, uh, I just became Facebook friends with Larry. Of course, I've followed, uh, I've followed Litchie throughout his career and everything he did for the PBA and for himself. I guess he's retired from uh, that bowling center in Florida, and I want to give a shout-out to him saying, hey, 
Listen, Litchie, you did great work down there. One of the first things I saw three, four months ago is every single day it seemed like you were hosting another tournament and you were putting it online, on camera. What great promotion, fantastic promotion, and just uh, one of the super guys that really has a basis in the history in this sport. Very nicely done, Larry Lickstein. I remember things that happened, but he remembers the exact date they happened. Yeah, he's something else. memory is is just unbelievable. Uh, A a good guy, too. I I miss talking to Larry. We have him on the show every once in a while. He he has some more stories. I want to get out of them before we're all done. So don't worry. We're going to have Larry on some more. One of the things I one of the things I told my son, my son came to visit me earlier today, and I told him I was going to be on with you. And I said, one of the things I want to do in this lifetime before everything is all said and done, I want to lock Len Nicholson and Larry Lickstein in a room with nothing but a pot of coffee and a microphone, <laughs> and just let them go. Hey, part, remember the thread? Remember the thread, the Bowler's Journal thread? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, you know I do, and I'll tell you what, I bet that'd be better than the thread, partner. <laughs> that that went on for months and months and months. Some, and, of the uh, best, some of the best bowling writing, and I'm being dead serious here, Lynn, some of the best bowling writing from some of the best people in the history of the industry. I wish I could find the damn thing again. Yeah, I know they shut it down, and, uh, you know, I had part of it, somewhere on my computer one time. But yes, then, you did. Yeah, darn it. Uh, as you know, I did the lanes for years on the tour. Sure. And you never get it right. Somebody's always complaining. But we were able to explain so many things that the regular bower never even understood. And, and I got so many apologies in that thread because they didn't, they didn't ever understand what was going it on. Was it was a masterpiece of writing by everybody involved, and quite honestly, that was one of the great, great things I saw in bowling journalism in the 2000s was that thread. It's never going to be matched, and you know that. It's a shame. In fact, there were some people that obviously most of them came on you know, with a fake name. I didn't ever find out who they all were, right. but yeah. there were some people I, I sure wish I knew who they were because they had some great things. That it helped that thread along. I mean, and it'd be perfect. It'd be perfect. It'd be right on the money, bud. All right. Well, I'm going to line it up next time you're on. We'll do that. But I'm looking at the old clock, and we are out of time. And that's probably why they say it's a fastest show in all the sports parts. But I appreciate you being on. And uh, all of our listeners, hope you enjoyed hearing from C.J. Layton. Uh, just saying goodbye for today. Thanks so much for listening in to the Phantom. The guy uh, knows more about so many things than anybody I've known in my lifetime. Listen to the guy. Listen to his guests. Let's make sure to keep this sport elevated. It's going to come back. Let's make the bowling come back complete, and we can do that with your support. Ah, sounds good, Parge. Well, we look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We'll have yet another interesting guest to talk to. And in closing, we want to thank our sponsors, Brad Edelman from the High Roller fame and Storm Bowling, who is our great sponsor. And they sponsor everything around the world. No wonder they're number one in the bowling ball business. A shout out to our newest sponsor, Dave Kowalski. He's with Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper Auto Parts Stores. He's also the past president 
of the Michigan High School Bowling Coaches Association. And I said this many times, it's hard to believe, but they do. They have over 7,000 junior bowlers up there in Michigan. Wow. So for Phantom Radio, this is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing well nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon i